Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. And if you can't tell, I am in the midst of hay fever season, and I figure everywhere around the world in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, 70% of humanity knows what I'm talking about, because uh, it's, I think it's a worldwide phenomenon, these allergies. Sign of the times, man. Is ragweed a problem in Berlin? Ragweed? Um, I don't... Ragweed? Like a rag and a weed? I don't even know. No, it's it's a particular kind of plant. I don't know. Maybe it's indigenous to to uh, the western hem- or to uh, you know uh, North. You America. guys, I, I just looked it up on my computer, and my computer says in German it's called Ambrosie, which makes it sound actually pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, but oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we don't have that here. But we have right. a lot of other plants that uh, stink up the atmosphere, and my brother has. Um, uh, allergies as well. I, I'm spared. I'm so lucky. Whew. But uh, he is not. Well, Roland, the really good news is you still have time because you can develop allergies yeah. <laughs> well don't into your adulthood. So <laughs> don't worry. You, you, you don't have to feel totally left out. It could still happen. So. Oh, boy. Yeah, I just, you know, just wanted to leave it on a sunny note here for you. Oh, you feel left out. Uh, eh, no problem. <laughs> so this is episode 90 of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Oh, God, it we is. Have, uh, Goodness yes, me. This is another round, arbitrarily named uh, uh, episode uh, that is only round because humans have ten fingers. Episode oh, ninety. Most most humans. Yes, yes. Uh, that is, I guess, the default. <laughs> factory <laughs> issued. Yeah, it's the factory issued. Dwarves also have ten fingers, typically, uh, unless they are members of squads that have seen action, in which case fingers might be lost. Is that right? Do they? The, I mean, the dwarves goes down. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do, do dwarves have fingers? Yeah. It's a question for Tarn. Yeah, yeah, uh, they have yeah, fingers, yes. but how many? Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's ten. I'm pretty oh. sure they do have ten. ten. Can, you, can you lose individual fingers in Dwarf Fortress? Oh, yeah. Well, they yeah. probably come back and haunt you or something if, if you're in their own final. I know that you can bruise the fat underneath the skin of a... It's not surprising that they are that detailed. So version 50.10 was released since we last... Uh, since we last recorded an episode. And in typical fashion, they released it the day after we recorded our episode. So Yeah, well, I love <laughs> that we coordinate that with them. I think that's, I mean, it's just great. It's really great. You know, it used to be, hey, they released a new version of DF Hack. There's going to be a release of Dwarf Fortress soon. <laughs> now it's, uh, they released an episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. They must be about to release uh, an episode of uh, <laughs> a version of Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, That's right, yeah. It's like DF Hack is like catching up to the to the releases now. It's it's the upside down world that we're in. I have had a, a chance to play the game uh, a few times. I've spent a, a couple hours with it, and yeah, this uh, announcement browser, the tabs for the announcements, it's exactly what I was looking for. I think so far, it's it's really nice, and I like the fact that you can see the combat logs for individual dwarves from the from the dwarf's detail window. That's really neat. Hmm. It is. Um, it's really organized nicely. And there's stuff that I think I never saw before, which is really cool. And the other thing that I like is you can pers- you can like personalize it so you can have it pause and recenter on certain things. So like when the diplomats arrive, you can know that and not miss the caravan. I, I really appreciate that. That's made things kind of fun. So you can uh, customize the uh, the pausing 
from the yeah from the yeah. announcements window in the settings you can go in and it lets you what are there i'm, I'm doing this from memory now because i don't want to load the game up while we record because then oh yeah <laughs> you're just keep getting distracted and you're like what uh no there's a oh, there's got settings it, got in it, got there. it. yeah it is better than i expected like so like not that i have low expectations but like i didn't imagine it would be that configurable so it's really cool Ooh, that is cool oh wow that's that's totally detailed it's yeah. I mean, I can't imagine wanting to do some of those things, but I know that there are probably people listening who are like, "Finally, on Weapon Twist, I can pause the game and recenter." Right. <laughs> that's all. That's awesome that they've given us that. Now, this is what I've been missing for my life. You can pause and recenter on a vomit action. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! It's just like real life. <laughs> Every time a dwarf vomits, you can recenter on them. You know, that's I. It seems hilarious, but. Also, maybe not the worst idea I've ever heard, because sometimes that means things are going badly or like somebody's gotten into a fight uh, or you've got, you know, a norovirus outbreak. Got to get on that stuff. Um, hmm. Actually, what would be interesting is uh, pausing it on biting when fighting wild beasts. (laughs) Yes, that would be really good. So you'd know if you needed to uh, handle things, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I know that if a werebeast bites your dwarf, I, I don't know if you have to actually see that the skin was broken or not, but if a werebeast bites your dwarf, that that dwarf is most likely infected. How about if your dwarf bites the werebeast? Then your dwarf is just kind of kinky, but nothing really happens. <laughs> so, okay, so they probably won't catch lycanthropy from, from yep. biting a yep. werebeast. Yeah, they're perfectly fine. They're just a complete maniac. I did have a dwarf bite a werebeast. Uh, I followed the the combat very uh, very closely. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, we were talking about our last episode, the Baroness Consort, and trying to figure out why she was hostile. It was because she was a werebeast, and by the time oh. one of our dwarves saw her, she had uh, uh, apparently had turned back into her uh, dwarf form. Yeah, I caught her, and I uh, I caught her in a, with a cage trap along with a were lemur. That uh, there was in that was a goblin in its uh, normal form, but I tried to trade them off to elves. And Roland, you told me in a message that uh, be careful if you try to sell uh, sentient beings because the, they get uncaged. Yeah, they get uncaged. Yes, and this did happen. I thought I was going to be able to sell them to both of the were creatures to the elves, but the elves let them loose and took the cages. The were lemur escaped off the edge of the map, and I had to sick some squads on the um, on the Baroness Consort, unfortunately, and she didn't make it uh, uh, very much longer no. than that. So, do we do we do a moment of silence on that, or uh, is it all right? Nah, she was she wasn't a very popular figure in the uh, in okay. the fortress anyway. Yeah, she spent a, a a good part of two months, maybe even longer than that, maybe three months. Out in the open in her cage uh, by the front entrance of the fortress because she was on display. Had a little animal cage section that was out in the open and the dwarves would gawk at them as they walked by. (laughs) Very polite. Very dwarfy. Okay, but back to the task at hand. We had a version uh, 50.10 released and I think that the big difference that uh, that I know is the announcements. It's the one that I really paid attention to a lot. Was there anything else that that was notable that uh, you guys are aware of for the release? I read about Markstorves being sorted out, but I haven't had an opportunity to test whatever was supposedly broken or needed fixing. 
I yes, I kind of agree on that. I had a discussion with actually somebody in our new Discord about uh, Marx Wars and their Marx Wars like returning from a raid and then dropping all their gear on the floor and then only advancing into the the fortress. So I tried to raid with my archers a little bit to like replicate the the bug or that behavior, let's say it like that. And weirdly enough, I never got to really replicate it. Uh, I got it. I got it at one point. Somebody dropped all their armor. It was not the entire squad. And then I just tried to. Oh, can I like do it again if I load that save just a second earlier? And then it was gone. Like I don't know what happened. It's so weird. But um, I I don't know either what um, got fixed. And I don't think they were that... Well, they were somewhat broken because they sometimes took ammo and sometimes they didn't. And uh, that has been fixed. But um, other than that... Where's the release notes? Um, I thought that they would be on the Bay12Games.com devlog, but I'm I'm seeing that they have an announcement where they made the release, but I don't see any dev notes there. Hmm. As in, as in the the change log. I think the change log is now just on Steam on the main page. If you click on the game, and here it says ammo assignments are updated properly when changing uniforms. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh! This this uh, is interesting. Removed ownership of food items whenever they are dropped stops rotten food hoarding in rooms. Oh, I remember that happening several times and. At least two times when I was on a stream where people just, uh, especially like in the squad, you don't assign them a backpack and they go and grab some food and then they have it in their hands. And at some point they drop it to do something else and then they forget about the food that is now on the floor because they just dropped it and they just walk away and they go and get new food because they now need a food item and then they just burn through all the prepared food that you have in your fortress in like two days because they just chuck it everywhere. If that's actually fixed, that's amazing. I like the sound of that. In the Annals of History, as chronicled by the scribe Lucas with quill and parchment, during the autumn of the year 110 marking the fifth year since the fortress's inception, Mayor Obok Tultrated meticulously scrutinized the surveys crafted by the skilled dwarven engineers. Her discerning gaze settled upon a site strategically positioned near the entrance of the fortress, bisected by the majestic river coursing through the passionate dune. It was here that the grand undertaking of Fortress Iverdum Nast was destined to take root, the new tower of showing. Two imposing platforms, each spanning a remarkable 14 by 12 units, were meticulously erected using hewn andesite blocks, gracing either bank of the mighty river. Stockpiles of these blocks were arranged in proximity to the construction site, and the labor of shaping the grand edifice began. This monumental tower, as ordained by the hand of destiny, would serve as a beacon of dwarven engineering excellence within the realm of the wealthy rag civilization. Mayor Obok found solace in contemplating the dreams of the late Elder Bim, confident that his cherished memory would find due honor. Thus, the indelible record stands, as etched in the enduring annals by the ancient historian Lucas. Uh, so you guys been playing much? 
yes, I uh, I have been playing mostly trying to pay attention to the new announcement system. But I also found that well, the the day that the that I downloaded the fifty point ten version, I also tried to run DF Hack, and of course, uh, DF Hack wasn't updated yet at that point. The next time that I started Door Fortress, which I think was the next day, DF Hack was updated. So there is a DF Hack version. 50.10-R1 that seems to be the current version. And there's been some nice little changes to DF Hack too, if uh, if you use it. I noticed uh, what stands out the most to me was the squads menu. If you have DF Hack running and you are going to add people to the squad, mm-hmm. you can you have a secondary menu that comes up by the list of dwarves that you have to choose from to add to your squad. And you can sort them by their melee effectiveness, their mace effectiveness, their need for training, their stress, all of those numbers that have uh, values that uh, apply to an attribute of the dwarf, now you can sort by whenever you're choosing dwarves to add to your squad. It is really, really handy. I don't think this existed before. If it did, I didn't notice it. But uh, but yeah, that is it is just wonderful. You can also... Uh, I'm not sure what the search. There's a search function. I'm not sure what it's what you're searching for. If it's a name or I think it's a name. I hope it's a it name. is a name. Yeah. Um, is that new or is that did that exist before with DF Hack? The you could definitely search for things, but that might also just have been like a DF Hack added feature because I can no longer tell if I'm being honest. But the whole like melee efficiency, ranged efficiency thing that is that is like fully new. Yeah, have you have you got Dwarf Fortress open right now, Roland? I have to admit that yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, so click on your squads, your squads menu. Mm-hmm. I have it open. I'm looking at it right oh. now. It's it's, okay, it's cool. freaking yeah. amazing. Isn't that great? Oh, yeah. I can um, even search for stress, need for training. <gasps> below the uh, things that are the sorting order choices, you have filters built-in filters for dwarves so if you don't want to see anybody who is uh critically injured you can exclude them where is so this like, in the in the squads menu Ooh, yeah, yeah if you open up if you open up squads and then you mm-hmm. like click on a member of a squad and it brings up the let's mm-hmm. add more people to your squad yeah 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 uh, i i think it, the one above it is way way more interesting because it says weak mental fortitude include and that means I can just exclude people from going into the military when they're like bonkers. Well, here's where I found where I use this, and it was it's the most practical use of it that I've found so far. I set critically injured to only so that it only shows people that are that are critically injured. And if any of those people are in one of my squads, I remove them from the squad because I, I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want them to be critically injured and then get called out to go fight goblins, right? Yep, true. Love yeah, that. it's Thanks. really cool. Really cool. You can exclude nobility. That's just darn great. Um, yep. It looks like you can also sort out ranged potential too, so you can find out. I don't know how it does it because it looks like some of these people have no relevant skills, but it, it's determined that they are potentially good fits for your military. Yeah, the most interesting thing about that is that you have one melee efficiency and a different point for melee potential. Yeah, same with ranged. Yeah, yeah, so with the ranged. And they look for apparently different things because if I click on melee efficiency, 
the people that are up with the green 100 are obviously the people that have been training in my military fortress for like 20 years now. But when I click on melee potential, the like the person with the biggest number is just Atir Katanlek, who is a scholar, and he only has a 47. And then my the first person that is actually a soldier only has a 64. So I I'm very interested in what those numbers actually mean. I can't remember. Roland, did you play with um oh oh boy, I can't remember, I can't remember the name of this. Um it was this the spreadsheet like uh utility used with version forty seven and earlier. Um it was like the the dwarf therapist. Dwarf therapist. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, had me at spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. <laughs> Love it. Big Excel fan. Huge. You should listen to my other podcast on Excel. It's, it's really high. I, I do play in Excel. Yes, that, that is my we, game. We have had, a, we have, yeah, episodes 16, uh, 32, 51, 62, and I think 67 all talk about Dwarf Therapist. So if, you, if you're interested in those, <laughs> just go back. Those are all random numbers. I don't think that I don't know that those uh, actually talk about it, but we have talked lots about Dwarf Therapist. But I think that those numbers that you're looking at that are in the column to the left of the list of dwarves, I think those numbers correspond to the tendencies that were in the Dwarf Therapist that you could sort by on the Attributes tab in Dwarf Therapist. Leadership, the sword, hammer, all that kind of stuff, I think that those are the same numbers. And I assume that they are attributes that are applied to dwarves by the game. No? Yeah. Dwarf therapist just kind of goes in there and, like, takes it out. But I I am simply not certain about, like, efficiency and potential numbers. I, I did consider them to be a dwarf therapist internal uh, mathematic telling me, oh, this dwarf is good for melee. But I, what I, if it's not... Uh, maybe well, if it's an actual not. intrinsic number yeah. Uh, attribute. Yeah, it just seems that it would make sense that uh, that someone with a low potential uh, would not ever be able to attain a high efficiency, perhaps. What if you believe in them? <laughs> well, if you believe in what them, then you're going to make them a teacher. And, uh, there you go. You know, they can stop believing in other people. It's wonderful. If you believe, they put a man on the moon. Man on the moon. A dwarf on the moon. Dwarf on the moon, yeah. That's in the that's in sixty point space travel. Dwarf on the moon. Okay. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm I'm on allergy medications. <laughs> I, my apologies. <laughs> so yeah, version fifty dot ten of Dwarf Fortress is out, and version fifty dot ten R one is out for Dwarf Fortress RDF hack. So wonderful, and I'm really looking forward to to all of the digging that I can do with this. One of my favorite DF hack functions. And I am willing to be lambasted for this, but is fast dwarf because you know I got stuff to do. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit around all day waiting for waiting for people to carry a, a block. It doesn't seem to work anymore in fifty dot ten, which is sad. So everything seems to take a bit longer when I'm playing around. So that's something in this. Are you still playing the beta branch? No, I'm. I'm on. I'm on just regular whatever fifty dot ten is. Just the. Mm. The, everything's consistent. DF hack works. It's just that particular function doesn't seem to work very well. Hmm. But uh, yeah, you can see if you get it working, but uh, it ain't working for me. 
and it's one. I, I uh, never had used it uh, oh, before. It's good so stuff. it is good stuff. Things happen typically happen too fast for me uh, for me uh, in the game. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> I don't typically want to speed my dwarfs up. I want to slow them down. I guess I use it in a different way, which is I'll queue up a bunch of things that I want to do while it's paused, and then I'll fast dwarf, and then let it let them go do it, and then I can see how it let works. Let it rip. Yep. <laughs> let it rip, and then if if things get a little tense or if I feel like I'm losing control of a situation, I will then turn it off. Um, but uh, but yeah, otherwise I found it to be a pretty doggone useful thing. I'll have to try that. Uh, uh, <laughs> whenever whenever it starts working again. In version uh, 50.10, that is. Yeah, I mean, try it and see. It could just be me. Um, you know, I'm not sure know. if anybody who's on the um, on the dev team for DF Hack listens. It seems like that somebody chimed in maybe in the public Discord, but it seems like a, a, one of the DF Hack programmers chimed in uh, recently about uh, a comment. It could so. totally be me. Who knows? Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's but maybe, been... they'll, maybe they'll chime in, send us an email or, or a message. <laughs> Do you know how to use a computer, sir? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you reboot? Uh, uh, computer? <laughs> a what? Stop Dwarf Fortress and restart it. Is, Is it, your problem you solved? Ebcac. Problem exists between keyboard and chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. An ID10T error. Yeah, yeah uh, it could it could easily be that. Anyway. Unearthed from the depths of history's dusty embrace by the hands of intrepid archaeologists, the poetic narrative penned by Madrigar chronicled the creation of great chambers beneath the fledgling project, aptly christened Iverdum. The commencement of this endeavor coincided with the onset of winter in the year 110, as the surface world succumbed to the icy grasp of frost, rendering the mighty river immobile in its icy slumber. Within the subterranean chambers of this monumental mine lay the heart of the operation, where stone workers' workshops buzzed with ceaseless activity, and stockpiles teemed with the finest stone, awaiting the skilled hands of the fortress's master masons. Each of the mine's ten levels encompassed a circular chamber, none less than 25 units in diameter. Here, diligent dwarves toiled and unearthed stony treasures of cinnabar, obsidian, microcline, cobaltite, and stibnite, destined to be meticulously shaped into the very building blocks that would constitute the grand form of Iverdum. Yet, as the season of winter gradually yielded to the awakening embrace of spring, reports emerged of a foreboding dampness that had taken hold on the highest level of the mine. Thus recounted the poet Madrigar, chronicling a tale destined to unravel beneath the earth's crust. So, does anybody have any stories of, of fortress fun that they have done? I had my war elephants fort, which was going pretty well, and then I had these all these necromancer creatures in there, and they—I don't know—they were just not very good, and they fought a lot, and they didn't seem to take joy from anything. <laughs> so everyone was just really sad. So I tried killing a lot of them by uh, the hospital where everyone was injured. I took the floor out and then dropped them into the cavern to their death. You know, it's a little elaborate, a little bit, uh, a little, you know, a little crazy maybe, but, uh, but it, but it was effective in getting rid of them, but I don't think it really saved the fort. So I ended up having to 
retire that one. And I started a new one with the Dwarven Civilization Population 1, which was uh, something I didn't think you could really do. But I seem to have brought it back. And now I've got, you know, I'm getting lots of attention from the home, from the mountain homes, which I don't really understand how there could be much of a mountain home with only one dwarf in the civilization. But anywho. Dwarven Civilization Population 1? Population 1. Does that mean one dwarf or one settlement? One dwarf. One <laughs> it was dwarf. the queen. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I still get caravans, so I don't I don't really know where the caravans are coming from. Huh. And I don't know where my seven dwarves came from. So who who knows? So but, it's uh, just one person that sends out these caravans and then it's kinda also the person that comes in the caravans, question mark. Yeah, hmm. it seems like it. Uh and so my tactic to try to get the civilization growing was to build a library and to build several taverns. And then take every single entertainer that wanted to come entertain guests and everybody who wanted to fight monsters, you know. So I did that. And then I built a tavern in the waterfall. So there was a waterfall and I just built a tavern around it. So that's been kind of fun. And um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm up to 170 population now. And people seem genuinely happy. So hmm. yay. Cool. Um, I don't remember if I talked about it before, so I'm just going to do it again. I have a tendency of hoarding, and this is not a problem just in Dwarf Fortress, but it is in virtually every single video game that I've ever played. I am a video game hoarder, and I usually steal when the video game gives me the opportunity to do so. So... This has chaotic neutral person. <laughs> this has brought me to the point where I had a weapon stockpile for just exotic human weapons that I kept buying because they look cool. And my my like gremlin brain was like, oh, that's a that's a cool weapon. You kind of want it, and you can put it on a pedestal in someone's room, and then they can look. I never did that, but I kept buying the weapons. And at some point, I just had uh, way too many weapons. And some of them weren't even good. They were just, like, bronze warhammer without any quality on it. Like, okay. So I thought to myself, you know what? Let's get rid of most of that. But I uh, had some left. I uh, just kept some left because, you know, a hoarder, I can't get rid of all of them. And I made myself a exotic weapon squad because you know what else is there to do? And of course, right? Yeah, sure. So, so what what qualifies as an exotic weapon? Well, for me, an exotic weapon is l- virtually any weapon that my dwarves can't do by themselves. Uh, so that might be a, a two-handed sword. That might be a longsword. Uh, it could be a scourge. It could be a pike. Uh, or, or okay, it's, anything. So it's a weapon that a dwarf can employ, but that dwarves can't make. Correct. That's what you consider Th- That is okay. what I consider to be an exotic weapon out of the eyes of my dwarves. Gotcha. I put some into this uh, squad. I just made a squad without any special, it's, how you say, I made a uniform, but then applied no weapon. So every single person in the squad has a different weapon. And I apply it to them personally. So, for example, one of them has an iron scourge. And the other has, uh, I think, a lash it was? Well, that, for example, is a morning star and then a lash. Mm. Okay, a scourge is a whip used as an instrument of punishment. 
Yeah. It doesn't sound very it, nice. It has like, uh, it's like a whip, but it has like several whips. And the whips usually end in either uh, some kind of knives or, or bells or uh, like heavy bulbs. metal bulbs. And um, I was like, wow, that sounds like a terrifying weapon. And uh, it is. I also have a bronze whip person here. But the Scourge Man is crazy strong. He is crazy strong. Well, he is also a very good soldier. But he is... The amount of body parts that fly around the map whenever he is attacking anything that does not have armor on is crazy. He is scourging goblins to death while they have full armor on. It doesn't matter if it's leather or copper or whatever. He catches them and he punches through their armor. It is absolutely crazy bloodshed whenever he's on the battlefield. And this entire exotic weapon squad, so one scourge man, one whip, one morning star. They go through entire sieges at this point because they are good soldiers and they have crazy weapons. And the scourge person is so Good. I love scourges. And now I'm very <laughs> upset that I can't make them on my own, but I have to kind of rely to check every single human caravan if they have like an iron scourge and it will never have any quali- quality modifiers, which is very sad because, you know, that would be cool. <sighs> is it like the old cat of nine tails? I don't remember what the, that's a reference to, but uh, it seems like that was a... Maybe it was a Dungeons and Dragons weapon. Has anybody heard the term cat of nine tails? I know that. It it does ring a bell. It does ring a bell, but I can put my finger on it. I think it's I think it's like a whip with nine with nine mm-hmm. uh basically it's what you're describing as a scourge. Kind of, kind of, exactly. And um Tony, did you did you say that you'd heard of it? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I know of it as a weapon, and it seems to be some sort of a flogging thing <laughs> with uh like a whip with a bunch of tendrils at the end of it. Tassels, yeah. I guess, yeah, is what so, I would describe uh, it as. Yeah. Okay. Google to the rescue. I think that it is... Uh, a Am scourge. I right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. you are exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And now a scourge okay. is simply that, but has like something at the end. Yeah, it looks like the cat of nine tails. It looks like it's just little uh, little knots at the end of it. Yeah, I think you can put like pebbles or rocks in there too. From oh, cool. what I remember, it, it hurts a lot if you get hit by one. That is yep. pretty sick. A big fan of scourges. I had my my people, my um, my soldiers, run around in just normal quality, just random steel armor. Nothing cool about it. I was like, okay, I have to change this. So now every single piece of gear, I put spikes on, iron spikes. So they essentially have like anti bear armor. Doesn't really do anything in a in a fight, but I think it would look cool if a dwarf with a scourge is running at you and he is like very spiky, like a hedgehog. <laughs> Nickname him Sonic. All right, giant hedgehogs carrying scourges. I've got a grizzly bear in my uh, or it's a it's a black bear. I've tamed him and he really didn't like being in a cage. It said it made him sad, no. so I felt bad about that. So I put him I put him in his pasture. And then I tried to pasture a, a large wild boar with him, and he, he killed it, so that was sad. So I guess he needs to be kept by himself. I've made him available as a pet, but no one's taken him up on that. So, Aww. so he's, he, I think he just I think he's just misunderstood, and he wants to be 
uh, someone's pet, but he can't because I don't know. I think everyone's afraid of him. It's too bad. I mean, you could <laughs> yeah, assign yeah, yeah, him. You can assign him to like a child, and then he keeps the child safe. I could do that. That's a great idea. I tried to make him a war creature, but he. They, you know, they, I think grizzlies are the only thing you can war train in the bear family. Normally, at least. Well, no, yeah, I think normally, polar bears as well. Polar bears. Okay, I've yet to. I'm not very. Uh, yeah, I haven't had awesome experiences with the with the ice sheets, but um, I should <laughs> probably try one of those again. I think in the real world, polar bears and grizzly bears are very closely related. Yeah, I think polar bears are one of those no fun kind of creatures. When you watch <laughs> videos of people who live up in what is that part of Norway and Svalbard, Longyearbyen or something, whoever, however you pronounce that in Scandinavian, and they 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 go out with like rifles, not 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 like we do in the U.S., but to to, to fend off polar bears. They look so cuddly, though. We have some in they our uh, zoo here in this city, and they look very cuddly. But then the the uh, the zookeeper is like near them in the enclosure, like throwing fish, and you realize, wow, that bear is absolutely massive, and I completely misjudged its size because it's far away from me. Yeah, I think they're known to be dicks. So <laughs> you know. They don't just drink Coca Cola or anything. Like they're, I think they're genuinely dicks. So, <laughs> did I just ruin our podcast reading? Does the FCC allow it? Hello, future podcast editing Jonathan here. And uh, the answer to that question is no. You did not just uh, ruin our podcast rating. At least not to FCC standards. I can't speak for Apple, but a link to the Wikipedia page uh, that I'm citing for that decision is in the show notes. Let's carry on now. You know what? I'm not the one going extinct. So, you know, karma. You know, I was going to, I don't know if I told you this or not. I was planning on building a giant statue as my mega project, right? Well, I still am, but I'm, I'm building a, a kind of a, a Colossus like monument where it is going to be straddling. Uh, it is going to be a humanoid figure, probably dwarfy in nature, straddling the river. So I'm, did I tell you guys that last time? Not last uh, time. I don't know. Did you mention it in the Discord? I don't know. I, I've been I've been sitting on it. I've been trying to figure out what my plan was, but I've, I've been sitting on it. But I finally uh, determined, and in the uh, little story time interlude in the podcast, this fortress has, has been being detailed. And finally, the fortress has gotten its focus, and that is to build a statue that is going to be straddling the river and... The idea is that it's going to be like the ancient wonder of the world, the Colossus. Mm, cool. So, oh, very cool. So, yeah. So, in order to get that going really well, I, I started a couple of platforms on either side of the river to start my construction, and then I decided that I wanted to to have my block manufacturing happen nearby the structure itself instead of in the main fortress area. Mm. So, I built a uh, about a a twenty twenty z level deep shaft. And used a DF hack to do dig circles all the way down and mined them out. And I uh, and I made little uh, uh, some stone stockpiles. And on the surface, I've got these uh, block stockpiles. So I'm doing block manufacturing. Well, at some point, some of my digging apparently got a little out of hand, and I see that somebody. Uh, I get an announcement that a dwarf has been knocked unconscious, and then I follow it, and it turns out. 
that somehow my mine shaft of 20 something Z levels deep, sorry, with a diameter of about 20 something uh, uh, squares, is filling up with water. Uh oh. Yeah. So somehow I accidentally did one of those corner cuts to a river block. So yeah. So we're filling this thing up with water. So I decide that I'm going to salvage the situation, right? So I decided that I'm going to build a a relief for this river water. I dug all the way down to the caverns. I built a channel down to where we basically got a 40 Z-level waterfall that will be happening. And I, uh, I channeled everything out so that I could relieve some of the floodwaters out of my mine shaft and dump it down into the, uh, into the caverns. Now, that all worked very well. In about two months, I got this, uh, this utility structure dug out. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately, I forgot to turn the stockpiles off in the flooded area. So I have got lots of dwarves that have been washed down into the caverns through my relief valve system. Oh, no. And I've lost so far I've lost about twenty dwarves. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. Those are getting close to genocide numbers, pal. <laughs> well, you know, you you might think that, but uh, I have 152 dwarves in my fortress right uh, now, so I had I had the, the population to spare. Ah, well you're fine. Then it's like uh it's like it's like it's it's like China where if you're a one in a million kind of guy, there's dozens of you. So it's cool. So I finally decided to turn off of those uh, those stockpiles. And what I should have done in the first place, uh, I realize now, was I should have uh, made that one of those um, words, guys. Help me find the word for the for the area that dwarves get locked into. And burrow, um, burrow, burrow. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Mm. Uh, what I should have done is had a built a burrow around it and forbidden my dwarves from going there. Forbade my dwarves from going there, but I but I didn't. I I. Uh, I was a silly fortress manager and ended up with 20 or so dead dwarves. But oh, it I happens. Think, yeah, I think that all of the dwarves that are going to die have died because it's been a while. And uh, once the winter comes, we're in late summer now. When the winter comes and that freezes up, I'm going to put a, a wall there where the water's coming in, and I'm going to be able to probably reclaim my, my mine shaft. But yeah, so that's, uh, that's the update for New Tower of Showing. Well, you know what? So, if you want to make an omelet, you got to crack a few eggs. So <laughs> I was just fair. about to say, you know, mega projects people, require souls. How many yeah. people died <laughs> making uh, the Burj Dubai? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> making what? <laughs> the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, the tall, tallest building. Oh in the world. yeah. There are some nobles that I'm seeing in my nobles list that I didn't ever really recognize seeing in version in previous versions of Dwarf Fortress. For example, and now this isn't a, a noble. This is a category of jobs, orderlies. So I know what an orderly is in, in real life. It's the people who uh, you know work in, in healthcare in uh, military situations typically. They have them at hospitals, right? So were there orderlies in Dwarf Fortress prior to version 50? No, no and yes. There was no specific job for that field, but uh, you had the job of feeding and uh, cleaning prisoners. So the job itself existed, but the actual... Prisoners or patients? 
Hmm? Prisoners or uh, patients? Both. Both. It was always for both. And uh, the the actual orderly tab, we can now click on it and uh, assign people to do those things. That is new, mm-hmm. but the actual job isn't. Okay, because I noted that whenever you try to select people who are good for the orderly job categorization, it brings up people who are like sutures, bone people, mm. uh, diagnosticians. So, uh, so yeah. I hadn't, I had never uh, seen that before. That's not, that's not a, a noble position. A noble position I had never seen before was champion. What does the champion do? Do we? Is that also a new fifty? Uh, n- no, that is is also not a new one. But I believe the champion is pretty funny because what they do is absolutely nothing. They don't really get any power. They just, they're just cool. They just get a cool title and they sit around and. They get to demand certain things, but, uh, yeah, that, well, you know, what well, about, I think that I, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead, Tony. I, I was going to add to that. What about the messenger? That one seems pretty useless to me. The messenger, I, I always assign somebody dutifully because it feels like a good job, but, uh, I don't know what they do. Oh, I, I can tell you. I know. Also, okay, how do I use them? Enlighten uh, us. Back to the champion for one second because I had Googled oh, yeah. it and I, I was slightly wrong because they do actually do something. The champion oh. will lead combat demonstration in the barracks. But, you know, they don't need actually any skills or qualifications. So it's like you can put any idiot in there. But technically, if you have a cool uh, military dwarf that you really like and you want to like honor him, you can give him the noble role. Now back to messenger <laughs> well before before you get off the uh, before we get off the champion mm-hmm. it turns out that i assigned it fairly correctly there was some time back we became a barony our uh, our fortress did and uh, now we are a county because the baron became a count and i assigned the same dwarf that was the count to the champion noble so i think that that sounds like it'd be about right because your uh, your barons and counts don't really do anything much uh, in your champion. It seems like could be a, a nice uh, addition to that that uh, counts duties. Yep. What do you think? So yeah, okay. On to messengers. The messenger is sent out if you want to do treaties with. I believe they're called holdings uh, in Dwarf Fortress, like holdings connected to your side. For example, if uh, dwarfs mm-hmm. founded like a new small town. Uh, like a day's travel away from you, uh, you can send the messenger there and request new workers. Um, oh, okay. And then he just like wanders off and goes there and talks to them and brings them back. And I, it's pretty nice if you're lacking like one or two workers or like a cheesemaker here and there. But I'm not too certain how good they get integrated into your fortress because they keep the title of um like very often you get either merchants or prisoners and they keep the title for very very long and sometimes they behave slightly off uh so i'm not too certain how well they get implemented into your actual civilization in your into your actual fortress because they're just you know they're just weirdos but uh, if you need a helping hand you can send for them all right i know that holdings according to the Tor Fortress wiki are uh, sites that are linked economically, militarily or socially to your, uh, to your fortress. So I guess 
I haven't seen it so much in version 50, but in earlier versions, you would see a pop-up that would say, so-and-so is depending on your fortress for its economic uh, success or something along those lines. I would say that that is probably the game telling you that you have a holding. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. But I think beyond that, there is no function yet. I would assume that at some point you can, I don't know, sue for peace with other people, for example, and then the messenger might be of interest again. But uh, as of now, the only real function that the messenger has in my in my worldview, at least, is you send them out to like get new workers into your fortress. Another one that I hadn't noticed before was the hammerer. That's a difficult word to say. The hammerer. That dwarf apparently is your fortress executioner that it puts people to uh, to death. Yep. <laughs> was that existing in version 47 as well? Yep. Um, the, it was always a funny little thing because if you don't have a hammerer, you get a, loss, a, a lot less uh, violent executions, I would say. Uh, if you have, for example, a prison more dwarves are thrown into prison instead of getting just beaten on the street. And if you have a hammer but no prison, pretty much everybody gets, like, executed all the time. Uh, he doesn't actually huh. have to kill them, per se. He just beats them really, really hard. So sometimes they do survive. But uh, he does grab a hammer or a mace of any kind that you have lying around. So if you don't, you know, if you don't check, he grabs a steel warhammer. And then everybody dies. Awesome. But you were able to do funny business where you could build, for example, an adamantine mace or whatever, or like a wood mace from elves, and then give him that. And then he just really strongly paddles people. And they're like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I repent. And then they get to live. So so my current fortress has a hammerer, but no dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Which I think Dungeon Master holds the same slot in Nobles as the Sheriff used to? Uh, no, the Dungeon Master is something weird. Hang on. Uh, because the Sheriff is still the... I don't have a Sheriff option anymore. Um, yeah, the, the Dungeon Master becomes the Sheriff, but the Militia Captain is still the person that actually makes the interviews. So I always thought, or at least for a long time that the Dungeon Master was the person doing the interviews, but no, that that is not correct. Well, you're a lot heavier into the justice system than I've ever been. I've never really paid much attention to it. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's pretty neat. You can start doing investigations and stuff. Yeah, but... Uh, that's some really fun things there. It's not finished, and sometimes you really notice that it is not finished uh, because you get you get a little bit rough around the edges, for example. I, I When I saw Toadie... Now I can't say that. <laughs> How cool. I told him that I am waiting for the day when I, the player, can assign the punishment to a crime. Not just tell my dwarves, like, punish him, but, like, punish him by putting him into a cage. Well, this person has to be put to death. Like, you know, I want, like, a... And he is very interested in that, so that's great. But... How did Tony react to that? He was like, oh, yeah, no, that's coming. At some point, that could mean anything. But yeah, the dungeon master really doesn't do too much. He he is he pretends like he needs scheme the schemer skill, 
But uh, on the wiki, it says they don't make any mandates or demands. They have no downsides to their existence, and they can be appointed for the sole purpose of flavoring your fortress. But hmm. what they actually do? Hmm. I'm all about I'm all about fortress flavor. So. Yeah, it's delicious. Have you done much with the justice system, Tony? I've I had one fort where uh, I had a whole bunch of artifacts, and the people were really, really scheming to steal them. And there was some sort of criminal syndicate that was like sending people in and like getting like extorting the dwarves to go extorting my citizens to go steal stuff and then meet them in the woods to hand off the <laughs> the the artifacts or whatever. It was it felt pretty elaborate and kind of kind of cool. And I've really only had that level of engagement and depth like once with it, but it was pretty it was a pretty neat experience and I I really enjoyed it. So I I yeah, I'd love to keep playing with it because it, it it did feel pretty neat. Um, but it was kind of hard to get to the bottom of some of the crimes because I think maybe, as you said, it's not quite finished yet. Bard Brandon Wright, with a somber ballad, chronicled the harrowing events of the spring in the year 111 within Irodum Nast. As the great river thawed, it became painfully evident that the dwarves had excavated their mines too close to the unforgiving banks of the mighty stream. As the ice melted, the first level of the mine succumbed to a deluge, turning the mine's stairwells into inadvertent floodgates. The relentless river filled the uppermost chamber, and its treacherous waters cascaded downward through the stairwells, inundating one level after another. Many fine dwarves were trapped, seeking refuge in the yet unflooded levels. Facing this dire predicament, the fortress began a valiant emergency civil engineering operation. The fortress's most skilled miners feverishly dug a shaft, striving to locate an outlet for the encroaching waters. On the 23rd level from the surface, they penetrated into caverns. From there, they tunneled into the flooded levels, releasing the perilous waters into the depths below. Lives were tragically lost, some dwarves trapped in the mines were swept into the caverns by the torrent, and even a few of the brave miners involved in the rescue met a similar fate. As the muddied chamber floors were laid bare, all dwarves knew that the spring of 111 would forever be etched in memory as the season of the wet death. Yet, this ordeal, a testament to the unyielding determination of the dwarves, only served to strengthen the fortress's resolve. The monumental project would persist, and the lives lost would be immortalized within the towering edifice. So sang the venerable bard Brandon Wright, a tale of both tragedy and unshakable fortitude. All right, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and read an email from one of our listeners named Renzik. Hi, my name is Renzik. I wanted to ask the roundtable about implementing AI-like ChatGPT and its clones into Dwarf Fortress. Maybe have like a menu where you can talk directly to your dwarves and really get to know them. There was a mod for Skyrim like this, but I think Dwarf Fortress would be a crazy way to implement this. Tell me what y'all think about this. Greetings from the scorching desert of Arizona. So this was uh, received in the summer whenever it was absolutely uh, horribly scorching. but Probably still out there. <laughs> yeah. So my first thought was, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. But uh, Tony knows a little bit more about large language models. Uh, and their applications uh, than I. And uh, he has convinced me that it's probably, with our technology today, uh, not 
going to happen. It's just not there yet. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's a really cool idea. Like, I mean, who wouldn't want that where you could click on any door for goblin in your fort and then have like a seemingly sentient conversation with them that was like interesting and relevant to the world where your fortress took place and they had knowledge like any of the citizens who lived in that fort might and you could interact with them. I mean, that sounds kind of like a dream come true. And it would be really neat, but that's but that's that we don't have that technology. Even though things like ChatGPT feel like you're talking to some kind of sentient being, that's like our brains tricking us. And you see that same thing happen kind of each time these and I'm using air quotes here, you can't see me, but I am human like chatbots happen. There was one in the 60s called Eliza. And, and if you read about what people wrote about Eliza back in the 60s, it, it feels very similar. It's like, oh my God, the computer knows me and it it's alive, you know, is anybody in there? But but really, you know, it, it's it's kind of parlor tricks to to sell the idea of this really narrow language generation model. So, I mean, there, and there's a lot of technical reasons why it wouldn't work too, or why it can't work and we don't have the tech, but it's a sweet idea. It'd be awesome if it worked. I totally agree. So we talked about this offline a little bit and what really brought it home to me that we weren't quite there yet was uh, I, I fed all the information that I could about a particular dwarf into, into a, a chat GPT. And once I had fed that information in, I was basically chatting with this dwarf, and uh, and the dwarf was telling me about his uh, about this this uh, vein of ore that he mined. <laughs> so then Tony said, "Okay, ask him for a detail about that 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 vein of ore." So I did, and and the dwarf gave me the or the Chat GPT gave me that uh, that detail, and uh, continued chatting with him for again for a while. And Tony said, "Well, okay, ask him again for that exact same detail." And the detail that he gave me was completely and totally different than the first one that he gave me. I kind of was able to see the light of, of what you were trying to describe to me. Uh, yeah, about, it, uh, some it, of the problems with it, you know, and and kind of without getting into the guts of how it all works. And there's some interesting people that write about this. There's a paper called um, on I think it's called On the Dangers of Stochastic Parrots, and it's by a it's by a linguist and an AI researcher who goes by the name of Timnit Gebru. And she's amazing. If you listen to podcasts with her on it, she's super knowledgeable and very realistic about how, how things work and, and what we we'll can link do. that in the show notes. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, and you can find her on a lot of the tech podcasts and stuff kind of making the rounds right now. Cause she's very sensible. Um, and in high demand, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, she's very knowledgeable, but she's definitely not towing kind of the party line that that's making the rounds of like, Oh my God, we're all going to get turned into paper clips. Like she's much more grounded in reality and how things work. But I think the big, the big problem is, is like that GPT doesn't really, un- it doesn't understand what it's telling you. So, you know, it, it's, it's guessing, it's guessing the next letter in the sequence based on what you've asked it. So if you ask it, you know, a question about, uh, you know, how much salt should I add to, you know, my cake, it's going to go out and kind of go through its, its database and, 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 you know, think about like, where have I seen salt and cake, you know, mentioned together and what would be the most likely answer that I could give. But then it, it doesn't, 
it doesn't keep that in mind. So you, it doesn't have state or any sense of like logic. It can't keep a theme or a thread. And, um, you know, we just, we just don't have that. And that's not really how large language models work. So we need to invent other technology in order to do that really cool, awesome sounding thing. But I don't think we're really even close to researching yet what we'd need to do some of that stuff. So, I mean, it's, probably a lot farther away than, than, you know, the people selling these large language models would lead you to believe. I know it's shocking to think that somebody trying to sell you something might mislead you, you know, cause car dealers are so honest when you go there, uh, you know, I can always trust a salesman. So anyway, uh, you know, that's kind of at a, at a high level. It's an awesome idea. It would be so cool to see it, but we just don't have the tech yet. Well, thanks Tony. And uh, thanks Renzek for the email. Anything to add, Roland? Um, I, you played with the you played with the one that he mentioned. Oh, right? the other Skyrim. Well, I didn't play it myself uh, because it's pretty big, but I did see it online, and um, I okay. I'm I'm not a friend of mods. I I have to like say that before I start getting into this. But I'm not a real friend of mods because at the end of the day, I always question. If I cannot play the game that I'm playing right now with the mods that I've installed, that I don't actually like the game, I just like the mods. Um, so it is for me always a question, why should I install a mod and is the mod necessary? So a chat GPT or DF like hack. an AI... Well, DF hack adds to the game, but it only adds... Well, it adds a lot. But the, the, the functions that I use are essentially just, uh, like, yeah, I make the game faster. <laughs> I got it. I, I got it. I got it. I was just being the yeah, smart yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, DF hack is what you might call, uh, what you might consider to be a light mod instead of a heavy mod. Not that it's a small modification, but that it has light functionalities, um, light effects on the gameplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, it improves the experience, uh, for, it, or, or yeah. one could argue that it improves the experience. Yeah, exactly. And for example, uh, I, I use it to either make my dwarves a little faster or uh, click on a dwarf and actually check like what the exact numbers are, where is his strength at, what is the actual number for strength, what is the actual number for his depression, and uh, how is he vulnerable to stress, like what is the actual number. Uh, versus mm -hmm. I install a mod that adds like Naga people. Yeah. And the idea of uh, being in like a fantasy role-playing game and like talking to people and the, the person is just kind of talking back because they're supported by a language AI model is cool. I simply question why it has to be Dwarf Fortress that is like the basic foundation to that because you essentially take the life and the entire work of one person and you slap a massive mod onto that to just like have a nice foundation and a pillar that in my eye simply does not fit and uh, so the idea is cool i simply question why you need dwarf fortress as a foundation to do this yeah i mean i think it's yeah, kind of thinking about that, like, well, why? Why would it not just be a different game? And I think it wouldn't be a different game because the technology doesn't work like that. 
I think is the short answer. But I mean, if you if you did implement it in Dwarf Fortress or if Toady did it, you you would be able to have a conversation with a dwarf, but it would be plausible sounding nonsense. So, you know, they might tell you about a dragon attack in a village nearby and then you'd leave and then that village wouldn't exist and there wasn't a dragon. And when you went back to talk to people about it, no one else would know about that. So I think like the experience itself would just be frustrating, I think, for people. And you would not know, am I seeing nonsense or am I seeing something that's actually related to my gameplay? So I think it would be pretty frustrating for people. Uh, you see, I think that that was the original chat GPT slogan, but, uh, but they didn't end up going with it. A plausible sounding <laughs> nonsense. Chat yeah, GPT. Yeah. yeah. So much for, so much for me getting a job there. Uh, you know what? Whatever. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Rinzek. And if anyone else wants to send in an email, then, uh, you can do so at urist at dfroundtable.com. That is U R I S T at dfroundtable.com. Or, uh, you can actually chat live with us and other listeners of the podcast by joining our Discord channel. You can go to our website, dfroundtable.com, to get the link to join the Discord server. And we would love to have you there and and engage and chat and all that kind of fun stuff. The things that you can do in a community-based chat client. I think I'm going to take my foggy brain and uh, and take it offline here because... Um, I think that we have pretty much come to the end of episode number 90 of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Yeah. Crazy Coming up on that big episode 100. Oh, God. In 10 episodes. I'm not sure. Triple not sure digits. We're going to have a big giveaway. It's going to be a Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, we haven't really talked about what we're going to do for episode 100. I want to do something. Maybe, a, maybe another meta episode. Like with episode 50. We did a lot of talking about about the podcast. We might do something like that again. What a barbershop we'll quartet. See. We'll see. If you have any ideas of, of what we should do with uh, episode 100, send those to Erst at dfroundtable.com, and we will uh, take them into consideration. So, yeah. Okay, guys. Cool. Y'all have a good week. Hey. And see you next time. Yeah, everybody out there, good luck and dig deep. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Not too deep. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. This is a conversational podcast. All craft swordship is of the highest quality. Thanks, Delfonso.